Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And as you're finding that, uh, just so thankful for Jamie and all our musicians and uh, and the choir and uh, you know, if you love your pastor, you could fill those slots so I don't have to stand up and hold a child. Just throwing that out there. And so next week, they'll have nobody in the choir. But um, today, we are starting a brand new series titled, God is Able. First uh, Samuel chapter 17, it's one of the most familiar chapters in all of the Bible. And most pastors try to take this whole chapter very quickly and try to just piece it together, and, and I just really, a few months ago, as I was preparing this, said, we're going to slow down, and we're going to walk through this, because in this story, all of us consider ourselves the David, the hero that God uses to make a difference. But if you want to know the honest truth, we are more often like Goliath and the children of Israel. You see, the children of Israel were hiding, they were scared of the obstacles ahead of them. Goliath was a, in my version, the Incredible Hulk of his day. And if you like superhero movies, you'll understand that, right? He was powerful and strong, and, and um, he was a jerk. And so um, sometimes we fit into that category. But yet all the time when we read the Bible, almost all of us are guilty of putting ourselves in the position of, I'm on God's side, God is going to use me, And sometimes, friends, I want to challenge you that we have let fear overcome us to a point where we're not doing anything for God. And sometimes not only are we not doing anything to help God, we've allowed our sin and pride to put us at war with God. And so as we start this series, the God is able part one, I want to talk to you from one verse to kind of set up our theme for this whole series. And it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. And if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's word, starting in verse 37, I want you to remember this verse throughout our time in 1 Samuel 17. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And my question to you today is, can you honestly say that you believe he will deliver you? Today, you're probably not fighting, killing a bear or a lion, but trials and tribulations come to all of us. And so pray with me. Father, I thank you so very, very much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you're at work doing in the life of your people, in the life of your church. And so, Lord, I just pray now that you would be with me or that you would close my mouth to the things that should not be said. Open my mouth boldly, God, to declare your word. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. Lord, you know my inadequacies and sins, Lord, and just work in spite of me, Father. And so we ask that you would do it all for Jesus' glory and in his name. Amen. And so I want you to think about this, depending on what stage of life you are in, will also help you define who you are in this story. If you're a teenage boy, 
Um, the Goliath in the story is probably the most interesting, right? Seven to 11 feet tall, strong, battle-ready, powerful. I mean, that's, that's awesome, even though he is wicked. If you have lived any length of time at all, and you've been in the up and downs of life, you can relate with being David against overwhelming odds, against situations that the world would say are impossible. And honestly, if you're honest today, some of us can be like Goliath when I don't get my way, when things don't work out the way that I want them to, when I want what I want instead of what God wants. And so today, though, if you're going to really believe that God is able, I believe that you have to let God teach you something. And that is to trust Him. And the way that you learn to trust God more is as He teaches you through the trials of life, through the difficult health diagnosis, when the person that you never thought betrayed you, betrays you. When the sin that you thought you had controlled is now controlling you. When the person that you swore you would never grow up to be you look back and you say, I am now that person. And so today I really want to challenge you to let God deal with you in your life today. And the first thing is this I want to show you is that troubling situations come. If you're taking notes this morning, troubling situations come. And so let's look here in verses 1 through 3. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokok, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokach and Azekak in Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. If you have been journeying with us through 1 Samuel, you have probably recognized this enemy. This is an enemy that had came against the children of God over and over again. And what had God done for them? God had won them victory after victory after victory. And so when this situation arises, as a world standpoint, it should have caused them great grief. Because the Philistines were a valiant, mighty army. They were wicked and they were anti-God, but they were great soldiers. And they were mighty men of war. And yet when they came against Israel, Israel should have known something. That the God that is with us will fight for us. If you remember, Jonathan had climbed up the side of a mountain with one other person. And brought victory for the children of God. Many times Saul and his armies would be outnumbered. But yet God would give them the victory. And so when Saul and the children of Israel looked over this valley. They should have saw an enemy. An enemy that brought great problems. But they should have been able to remember the God that had been with them each time. And today I want to challenge you with this idea with this understanding today what you're facing God has already gotten someone else through it and today if you're honest whatever you're struggling with God has probably already got you through it in the past if you're here today and you're struggling with a a problem with your temper per se and you say, man, there was a time when God had really had my temper under control and, and I was really able to be self-controlled, but something has just happened. I don't know what it is, right? I just, I watch the news and I get so angry. I just, I just want to squeeze them till they pop, right? 
Well, friends, God had already given you victory over that before, and he can give you victory over that today. Many of you maybe are going through a rough patch in your marriage and you're saying, Jake, I just I don't think we're going to survive it. I don't think we're going to make it. I, I just don't think there's any way that God can restore what has been broken. And today I want to ask you the simple question. Did God give you your love for your spouse the first time or did you give your love to your spouse the first time? Because if God gave it to you once, he can revive it again. You say today, Jake, I'm facing health odds that are just un unovercomable I, I i just i can't make it through this depression i can't i can't make it through this battle with cancer but yet god has gotten you or your family through it before you see troubling situations come to all of us and in this situation they saw the enemy before them but friends when you go through troubling situations remember what jesus said in john 16 verse 33 the bible says these words these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. That verse starts out wonderful. I want peace. I want peace that, 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 that gives me the understanding that when I lay my head on the pillow, if the tornado picks me up, if the rapture happens, um, that I'm going to be with the Lord. If I go to the Chinese restaurant here after church and swallow one of those uh, chicken on a sticks and get the stick, I know where I'm going. Okay, I know I got a peace that I'm a friend of God, that God's my father, that I'm in the palm of his hand and, and I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I want peace in my marriage. I want peace in my home. And Jesus says, these things I have just spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. But don't miss what he goes on to say. In the world you will have tribulation. You say, wait a second, I'm going to have peace in the middle of trials? I'm going to have peace in the middle of persecution. I'm going to have peace when everything around me is falling apart. Yes. He even says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, this morning, I don't care what situation you're in. Don't forget the God of your situation. Doesn't matter if it's financial. Doesn't matter if there's sin in your life that you're dealing with consequences. You need to remember that troubling situations Come, listen to what the writer of Psalm 9 says in verses 9 through 11. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. Today, if you're being oppressed by an enemy, if you're being oppressed by your sin and shame, God is your refuge, a refuge in time of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who who seek you. Today, if you want God to rescue you and be with you in the middle of your storm, all you have to do is seek him. You say, Jake, you're telling me that if I seek Jesus today, all of my troubles are going to fall away. All my problems are going to disappear. The creditors are going to stop calling. The cancer is going to go away. My wife's going to be like just this wonderful gift of God. I didn't say all those things. I said that God will be your refuge. God will be with you as you and your wife work on your marriage. God will be with you whether or not he cures the cancer or gives you an ultimate healing by going to heaven. God will be with you as those creditors are calling. And maybe he'll just open up an opportunity for someone to get a job, right? Go get a job. Get a paycheck. It's an amazing thing. That's why the Bible says that God honors work. And so, friends, maybe he'll give you the self-control to not buy $78 worth of McDonald's three times a week. That's what's going on in our house. Not that extreme, but it's just a joke. 
But maybe God needs to teach you some self-control. You see, God will be with you in the situation. You see, most of us want God to change the situation, but really don't care about Him being with us in it. And what we have to realize is, as troubles come, they come to all people, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're an American, whether you're not. Troubles come to all of us. The question is, what will you do when those troubles come? The second thing I want to show you that you have to come to grips with if you are going to believe that God is able is that there will be terrible enemies challenge you. Terrible enemies challenge you. Look what it says here in verses 4 through 11. And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, we have you, why have you come out? To line up for battle. Am I not a Philistine? And you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself. And let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me. And kill me. Then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him. And kill him. Then you shall be our servants. And serve us. And the Philistine said. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines. Don't miss this. They were dismayed. And greatly afraid. You see Israel had a terrible enemy. And his name was Goliath. And friends, when they chose Saul, why did they choose King Saul? He was taller than the rest. He was more gifted than the rest. He was more battle-ready than the rest. Saul was chosen for a day like today to fight against Goliath. But he was so terrified of the enemy before him that he was handicapped by his fear. You say, well, where was Jonathan? Jonathan had climbed a mountain with just one other person. Jonathan didn't go forward. What about all these men who had been in battles and war and watch what God had done? They were all afraid. Now this is where I want to get really honest with you and you will probably get upset with me and it makes me very happy. I'm just kidding, but I say that because it makes me want to cry. Most of us today sitting on these pews are the children of Israel. We're terrified of what's going on. Today I want to ask you this question. Do you really believe that God can save your lost family member and friends? You say, oh, pastor, of course I do. Are you praying for them? Are you fasting for them? Are you talking to them about Jesus? Because if you really believe that God saves sinners, why would you not be a part of that? I uh, have been doing a lot of praying here lately, and we've been seeing a lot of people saved here at church, and so uh, about a week ago, the Lord said, I want you to fill the baptistry up every week in July and August. Doesn't matter if there's someone on the docket to be baptized. And in my mind, immediately I thought, well, do you know how stupid I'm going to be explaining to everybody? Well, the baptistry's full, but we don't have anybody scheduled. And then I thought, I'm a tightwad. I don't know how much it costs to fill up the baptistry, but it's going to cost something. 
And God said, Jake, there are enough people in this church that have been saved and won't be baptized. You need to start filling it up and talking about it every week. And friends, today, if the Spirit of God convicts you, that water is ready for you to be baptized. Now, you'll have to go home wet. I brought extra clothes. But today, you can go home, baptized, be a part of the... Uh, this church, you're, you're, if you're saved, God's already saved you. It doesn't make you any more saved. But today, I believe some of you need to say, I'm going to be obedient to Jesus, and today is where it starts. And so I filled that baptistry up this morning at 3 o'clock because it takes four hours to get warm. And I'm sitting out here thinking, ain't no one going to get baptized. I'm all here by myself. And God had to remind me, Jake, do you believe that I am able to save? Do you believe I'm able to convict someone of the need to be obedient? Today about your marriage, do you really believe that God can bring a spark and a vigor and a love for that person that you live with that you can't explain? Because if you do, you're going to be praying and asking God, God, give me a love for them that I can't explain. Today, do you really believe that God can heal the sick? Do you really believe that it makes a difference when God's people pray, when God's people anoint, when God's people do the things that God has asked us to do? Because if we believed it, we would do it. Most of us came to church this morning with one thing on our mind. I hope it's not long. I hope it's not long. I hope I can get something out of it to help me in the shortest amount of time as possible. But friends, I'm telling you, I came to church today because I believe that God can save sinners. I came today because I believe my children need to be here hearing about Jesus, learning about his love for them. I came today because I love you. I don't know why sometimes, but because God has given me a love for you and hopefully a love for me that you have. Because why? I believe that God is not dead. I believe that God is alive. I believe that God wants to work. I believe that God wants to move. But most of us are so hunkered down, afraid of what God's going to ask us to do, what God's going to want us to do, what God is trying to do. You and I really hope for today. I hope for just a little bit of what them kids had last week would rub off on you. Because most of you is a bunch of fuddy-duddies. And you need a swift kick in the backside to remember, I am blessed. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And while I'm on my way to heaven, I'm going to do as much good as I can. Spread as much joy as I can. As much love as I can. Because God's been good to me. And I believe that he can be good to other people. See, if you believe that, that's how you'd approach it. But see, most of us today, if we're honest, we're afraid of what people think of us. We're afraid of what God might ask of us. We're afraid of what the doctor's going to tell us. We're afraid of what's going to happen. And today you need to understand something. Enemies are going to come. But I also want to add this. Most of us like to attribute to everyone that we don't like is our enemy. But this morning I want you to hear this. Just because someone has hurt you does not mean they are your enemy. We are all sinners and make mistakes. You say, Jake, you've hurt me. That doesn't mean I'm your enemy. That just means I'm a sinner. You say, Jake, my husband, he, he's really hurt me. Yes, but that doesn't mean he's the enemy. You see, we have one enemy, and his name is Satan. And friends, today, if you and I can go from viewing people as the enemy to someone who is in need of the grace of God, it can change everything. You know why you can't forgive that person that's hurt you? Because to you, they're the enemy. But truly, they might just be a sinner saved by grace. That person that has hurt you and, and wronged you and spoke unkindly of you, they're not the enemy. 
or just a sinner in need of grace. Listen to what Psalms 138 says in verse 7 as we skip one of these verses that I had. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. Today I want to challenge you with this. From this story, Saul would have been somewhere, depending on which translation you read, from 7 feet to 11 feet tall. There have been archaeological skeletons removed in this, wor- in this area of the world from people that were 7 foot 9. So I believe that Saul was just as impressive as the Bible says. He had the greatest armor that the world could offer. He had the greatest weapons that the world could offer. And I believe that this story is set this way so you and I look at a situation that was totally unwinnable by human standards. There was no logical way that David could kill Goliath. There was no earthly way that David could be the victor. And that is because when you and I go through situations in our life, whether it's relationships, whether it's sin in our own lives, whether it's the burdens that this world has, you and I need to understand something. That the enemy in front of you does not matter as much as the ally that is with you. If you've ever studied anything about World War II, um, if you watched the map during World War II, you will see how Nazi Germany went from one area to spreading the map. They controlled France. They controlled to the, to the east. They controlled all of this territory. It looked like no one could stop them. And then Hitler turned his sights on an island by the name of Great Britain. Bombed it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And if you've ever read anything about Winston Churchill, he made the famous statements, we will fight them on the beaches, we will fight them in the streets, we will not surrender. But friends, it truly looked like all hope was gone. The German army was was unbelievably skilled. And they were conquering most of that world in Europe. But something happened. Great Britain was allied with, I believe, the second greatest country in the world behind Israel, the United States of America. And if you've ever read anything about D-Day and those men and those women who marched onto that beach and what they sacrificed, they didn't realize the ally that Great Britain had. And when America came into the picture, everything changed. And friends, I want you to know that when you sit in that doctor's office and you hear the words that no one ever wants to hear, when you sit across from your spouse and hear something that never dreamed that they could do to you, when you are betrayed by that person that you never thought would break you, when you finally realize that the sin that you thought you had under control is ruining your life, you need to remember that the enemy that you see is not bigger than the God that you serve. He is not bigger than what is trying to serve you, that God is able. That's all right. You don't have to believe me. That's okay. But it's true. And friends, you need to remember that when all of the world around you seems to be falling apart, when everyone around you is hunkered down and hiding and scared and unable to do anything, God is able. And I don't know why I say scared. I know that's not how you pronounce it, but it is. All right. It's scared. I'm sorry. Maybe that's your problem this morning. Scared. And so you need to remember that troubling situations come. Terrible enemies challenge you. And third and finally this morning, when we're in difficulties, it seems that time stands still. How is it possible that your work week seems to take forever, but Friday and Saturday seem to be 
gone. How is it you can watch a movie for two hours and you never get bored, but 32 minutes into the sermon you're going, oh, my backside's asleep. How is it that we can spend time with family and friends and our night's gone, but yet when you're sitting in the doctor's office and they told you if you don't care, be here 15 minutes before 8, we'll get you in as soon as possible. At 10.02, you're looking at your watch thinking, you just can't believe it. I just spent my whole day. Is it ever going to happen? And friends, when trials and tribulations come, it genuinely feels like time has stopped. Like you're never going to get out of it. That there's never going to be an end to it. And I want you to listen here in verses 12 through 16. Now David was the son of that Ephraite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The name of these three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn. Next to him, Abinab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Can you imagine every day, same time, here comes this man, yells the same thing. And all these people who are supposed to love God and serve God and believe God hide. And they quiver in fear. I hate going to the dentist. And the reason I hate going to the dentist is not because I hate my dentist. My dentist is a very nice person. It's not because I hate the person that cleans my teeth. She's a very nice person. I cannot stand anything being in my mouth other than food. Okay? And so when they go to take the x-rays of my teeth, this is me. And I know. It doesn't matter what they do. They put salt on my tongue to try to trick me that it's food. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter what they've tried. And I always say, if I puke in your floor, I am so sorry. Please don't tell anybody, okay? And, but I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that every six months when it's my time to go, last time I put it off for three years because I was so scared. But anyway, um, gross. Wasn't it? That's why my teeth were so yellow. But anyway, um, I went, and as soon as I got out in the waiting room, all I could think of was, they're going to do x-rays. All oh, they're going to do x-rays. And I sit out there, and I filled out that that piece of paper and I all I could think of was they're going to do x-rays they're going to put that thing in my mouth oh oh I just can't believe it and I dreaded it and it seemed like I was in that waiting room for hours it's like seven minutes I get back there sure enough same thing as always right but it seemed like in the moment that it was going to last forever it's kind of like this you can order your food at the drive-thru at McDonald's pull right up there they give it to you you're so happy you're right you're thinking, I ordered too much, but it's okay. When they ask you to do something that no human should have to do, please pull up. There is something in you save people that's just like, you pull up, someone pulls up behind you, 72 people pull up over there, and heaven forbid... Someone else gets their food before you that was in line after you. 
They come out and they're bringing that food. And you're like, oh, it is. It's mine. That's not bag's not big enough for mine, right? I need two McChickens, two McDoubles, 37 bags of McChickens or whatever for my kids. And that's a little bitty one-person bag. That's not mine. And they walk right by your car. You're the first one. And they walk right in front of you. And you're like, I'd honk if I didn't go to, you know, go to jail or something. And they walk over and they give that food to that other person. you're like, how long is it going to take? And you just wait and you wait and you wait. And you're like, I'm never coming here again. Right? I can't believe this. And in that moment, it seems like it's never going to end. But friends, that is a joke. That is not serious at all. But friends, when it's your family that's struggling through that cancer, when it's your kids that are prodigals and you're wondering if they're ever going to come home, when it's you and your wife who genuinely feel like, if I have to spend one more waking moment in this house, I can't take it. It seems like time stands still. And I want to tell you very quickly about one person in the Bible who's been there. And that was Joseph. At 17 years old, Joseph told on his brothers for being disobedient. He was being a good son. Very shortly after that, God gave him a dream about his father and his sons and his brothers worshiping him, offering him things. He tells his father and brother that, honoring the God that had given him that dream. Do you remember how Joseph's brothers treated him? They threw him in a pit. They wanted to murder him. Do you ever wonder what he was thinking when he was in the pit? Are they ever going to come back for me? Am I going to starve down here? What, what is going to happen of my life? And can you imagine the joy he would have had when they began to pull him up? He's probably thinking, that was really funny, guys. Right? Way to lock me in the closet as a kid. Not that we ever did that to my siblings that I know of. But, right? Can you imagine the joy? Whew, I thought I was going to be stuck down there forever. And he gets out. What do they do? Sell him into slavery. Can you imagine as they are locking his chains to follow behind this caravan full of people that he's got to be asking himself, how did this happen? How did being a faithful son and a faithful servant in me in a pit and in me in chains can you imagine how long that walk must have seen as he went from where he lived to Egypt? Following behind, knowing, I'm a slave. This, this can't happen. This can't be going on. How long could this possibly happen? Can you imagine as he was taken from that caravan and taken to the slaver's auction? And probably standing in line with other slaves as they marched them forward and they bid on them. I want that one. I want this one. Can you imagine what must be going through his mind? Who's going to get me? Where am I going to end up? What's my life going to look like? Am I going to be a servant in a field? Am I going to be, what's going to happen to my life? And then he's taken to Potiphar's house and he's a faithful servant and God blesses him and he is doing what God has asked him to do and Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of rape and tries to take advantage of him and makes false accusations, and he ends up in prison. And can you imagine what he's thinking? How, how does this happen? How can I be in prison? How can this happen? And the Bible even says that when he was in prison, though, he gained favor, right? That he was over the jail, second only to the master of the jail. And can you imagine? He's probably starting to think, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. God's at work. God's moving. And then two men are thrown into prison, a butler and a baker. And in that moment, the butler and baker have a dream. And Joseph interprets the dream. The butler is going to live. The baker is going to die. And in verse 21, if you would, flip there in the book of Genesis. I want you to read this with me. What's the one thing that he says? 
Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph's one request was, don't forget me when you get out. Why? Because I'm sure he was thinking, this prison sentence is never going to end. How could it get any worse? Am I ever going to be set free? And the Bible then says, for two years he waited. Two years he waited. And then something happened. God gave the king, Pharaoh, a dream. And no one else could interpret it. And in that moment, the butler says, Oh, I have sinned and forgot about Joseph. If you're familiar with that story, God raises Joseph up, makes him second in the land only to Pharaoh. God uses him to save his family, to save the lineage of Jesus, to provide for them. But I am guessing if you're like me and if Joseph's like us, when he entered into that pit, he was probably thinking, is it ever going to end? And while he was being chained up, he was probably thinking, is it ever going to end? As he was in prison, is it ever going to end? And friends, I want you to hear this. Just because you feel that God has forgotten you, just because you feel that God has moved on, just because you feel that God is no longer in control of time, He is. And friends, you need to remember that whether God is with you in the pit, whether God is with you in the prison, God will be with you when He delivers you from the palace. And friends, today, some of you need to hear that. Some of you say, say, Jake, I've been praying for years and nothing's happened. Jake, I've been bringing my, uh, my lost spouse to church for years and they've never been saved. I've been bringing my kids for years and they've never been saved. I've been praying for a miracle and it's never happened. And what God says is, even when you think he's not working, even when you think he's forgotten about you, he has not. And so today, if you're really going to leave here knowing that God is able to work in your life and your situation, you have to believe that troubling situations are going to come. doesn't mean that God loves me any less. You need to understand that enemies are going to come. And it doesn't mean that God loves you any less. And third and finally, when it seems like time has stopped and that there is no end in sight, God is able. And so this morning, I want to start with this. Today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, this Lord's Supper that I was talking about, baptism makes no difference. It cannot make you right with God. There is one way today for you to say, God, I know that you can save me. I know that you can forgive me of my sin. I know that you can change my life. And friends, it is from repenting of your sins and turning to Jesus Christ. Asking Him to come into your heart and to life and to forgive you of all your sin and shame. Today, that's where it starts. And if you don't know Him, today He wants to save you. Today, if you are here and you know that you're saved, but you are like the children of Israel, you're afraid of everything. I'm afraid of sharing my faith. I'm afraid of worshiping. I'm afraid of singing because someone might hear my bad voice. I think I left my mic off during the song service, so you all got to hear my bad voice possibly. But maybe today you're afraid of what God's going to ask you to do. Maybe you're afraid if you forgive someone, it's going to make you look like you lost the argument. But today God says, if you're going to live in victory, you've got to believe that He is able. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Jake, I am saved. I have been brought through that trial and tribulation in my life. And God is saying today that you need to be thankful. You need to be thankful for how God has rescued you and been with you. 
Maybe it's something totally different. Maybe there's a sin in your life that no one else knows about. Today I want you to know that God will do business with you if you will come to Him. One of the verses I wanted to share with you today talks about if you will seek Him, you'll find Him. And so today if you want salvation, if you need restoration, today can be your day. And so if you would stand as we pray. Father, we thank You so very, very much for Your Word. And Lord, I know I didn't do it justice. Lord, I know I stutter. I know I stammer. Lord, I know I get confused. And so I pray today, Lord, that your spirit would be at work in the lives of this group of people. Lord, we thank you for the response in the first service, God, and the victories that you were winning. And so, Lord, I just pray that this service, God, that you would can save someone that's here today that doesn't know you. Lord, that you'd lay it on someone's heart that's saved, that's ready to be baptized, that they're ready to take that step of faith. Lord, whether it's whatever it is in their life, God, today is the day that you're going to change everything. Father, I pray that you would work for Jesus' glory and in his name. And God, I ask it knowing that you can do it. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, Maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.